We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. My name is Jacob Morley. You can find me on Twitter at Jacob Morley. And I'm joined by always by my co-host, Ross Uglum. You can find him on Twitter at Ross Uglum. Ross, pretty exciting weekend. We talked about maybe even avoiding talking about the Packers just to talk about Tiger. Do you have any Tiger takes? Just that he's back. He's back. That's that's what I was wanting to hear. He's back. Tiger's back. I saw... Viewership was up like sixty three percent on Sunday when he was uh, when he was charging, and so that's fun. That's golf is so much more fun when Tiger's on. But we can't sit here and talk about Tiger Woods all all twenty five minutes. So we have some Packers news for you. We have some good stuff for, to get into. We're going to talk about some pro football focus grades. We're also going to talk about some guys that have really stuck out to us the last uh, last week or so, and even uh, going back to that Thursday night game. Really, the big news out of Packers camp today was the news on Cole Madison. Goody finally came out and kind of just told us, uh, well, he still didn't really tell us anything. He kind of just said, you know, he's he's not going to be back anytime soon. And there are some rumors flying out there, flying out, uh, flying around out there about as of why, just out of respect to Cole. I don't think we're going to talk about any of those. But I think kind of what we can say is it, it seems like it's a personal matter and obviously, Cole comes before football. So 
I think I'm going to kind of just take the road that Brian Gutekunst said and just kind of, hey, we support Cole Madison, whatever he's needing to take care of, he's going he's gonna to take care of. And if he can ever get back and contribute to the Packers, whether it be this year or next year, that'd be great. But it's kind of up in the air right now. Yeah, uh-huh. sure. I mean, you'd like the kid to be in camp, but you got to take care of yourself before you uh, before you take care of uh, a football. And, um, you know, if, if he contributes this year, great uh if 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 he retires you know that that's really too bad but you know he's got to do what's best for him or he's not going to be an effective football player anyway so just hope that everything turns out well for uh for Cole yeah well said so moving on from that though so at Thursday night's game pro football focus Andy actually touched on this just a little bit yesterday he talked about the top five grades out of the Packer uh, out of the game for the Packers and they were Devontae Adams, Kendall Donerson, golly, I still can't say his name, Brett Hundley, Ahmad Thomas, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Did I get that right? I think I did. Yeah. Nailed it. Awesome. And I think, you know, we don't really need to talk about Devontae. We know that he's good. I, I would t- I would expect him to be kind of in that fringe elite grade this year anyways. Kendall Donerson only played a handful of snaps. He's an interesting guy, though. He's... When you go to the relative athletic scores from this entire draft class, I think he has like the second or third highest out of all of those guys. Clearly, he's he's a flyer. He is a lottery ticket type player, but he has rare athletic traits. So, you know, even though he played only a handful of snaps, it's really good to see that he played well in those handful of snaps. He had a really nice fumble, force fumble, stuck his hand in there, popped it out. Beagle jumped right on it. I think that was the big takeaway from him. Uh, I, I didn't really, I mean, other than that, he didn't really, he didn't really jump out to me other than uh, the obvious splash play that he made. Um, but that is encouraging. I don't know if you uh, watched him very closely or not, Ross. I know you did a pretty extensive film review on some guys. Yeah, we just, you run out of time sometimes uh, with a Thursday game. Friday being the last day of the work week, it's tough sometimes to get all the way through every single player. Finally got a chance after my film review, which is, of course, all done, you know, just on the MacBook here. I had a chance to see, and and I know it sounds weird, but I had a chance to see NFL Network's replay just just on, you know, the television. And it's a different thing, you know, it, it it shouldn't be a different thing, but it is a different thing when you're just sort of sitting on your couch watching guys. I did see Donerson and then a guy we'll talk about in a second, Ahmad Thomas, linebacker, I think a second-year kid out of Oklahoma, really thought he played well as well. And those were guys that I did not get to uh, right away in any kind of a, a film review setting. So I was impressed with both of them. I just thought that Donerson was – uh, really solid, and that's not something you generally would expect out of a uh, you know kind of a lottery pick type guy. You you would expect him to lose big and expect him to win big, run a little hot and cold. He was just super rock solid, and then had one you know game changing play. And and yeah, does it? Who cares if the game gets changed? It's an exhibition, but. At the same time, it's not for him. You know, he, he has no rights to a roster spot handed down to him by just being a seventh-round pick. So that's a that's a big deal play by Donerson. And and like I said, outside of that play, he was just just rock solid. Yeah, and, and you know, he's 
and it's kind of just one of those performances where it's like, okay, 91 is on your radar. Keep an eye out for him in the future. Cause if he can, you know, as McCarthy likes to say, stack success, that's what you were looking for. And that's really all he can do as a seventh round pick. So promising performance for him, take it for what it's worth. He didn't play a ton of snaps, but better than getting a terrible grade. So good for him. The next guy was Valdez Scantling. Obviously talk about a guy that did completely jump, uh, jump off the screen. I think he put his tools were on display. The the catch in the back of the end zone, the way he was able to use his body to catch that. Even on what really stuck out to me was, if if you remember the play, I think it was in the third quarter. He didn't catch the ball. He laid out for a pass, and he didn't quite bring it in. But you really got to see just a different type of gear when the ball is in the air with that guy. I mean, and that and that's a rare thing, especially with his size. But that ball was in the air, and I thought he had absolutely no business even getting close to it, and he and he did. So I think, you know, watching him, I think he's still really raw as a route runner. I think he still has a lot to improve on in his game. But the guy went for 101 yards, some big splash plays. You know, it obviously helped that. I think the Packers, one through four, arguably have some of the best quarterback play in preseason, which is going to be really fun to watch these you know, to watch these six three plus four four athletes just run under some Kaiser and Boyle bombs this preseason. So looking forward to that. He was really fun to watch. I know he's one of your guys too, Ross. Yeah, you know, I, I really felt like some sort of confluence of either Philbin being back or these guys just being a different animal as far as athleticism is concerned this looked a lot different than Packers offense of the last couple of years and you know like I said it could be both it could be the scheme you know that that Philbin runs he's a brilliant offensive coach always has been at the same time it absolutely could be you know these guys are just bigger stronger faster than the guys trying to cover them does that mean they're pro bowlers today no but if coach Ray I can't remember the name of the the uh, the passing game coordinator, but obviously Coach McCarthy will have a huge part in their development, as will Coach Philbin. If those guys can accomplish a lot with these guys, I, I can't really imagine a group of receivers maybe in the league that just have the actual athletic upside that this young group of Packers kids does because you, you talked about RAS scores you know, going in. These guys are absolute – I mean, they're outliers to be, to be honest. Yeah, they're all freaks. I mean, they really are. And that's, you know, when you take three guys at a position beyond the fourth round, you kind of hope, yeah, you know, I hope one of these, I mean, realistically, the statistics would say that even one of those guys, if one pans out, that would be good. But all three of these guys have shown that they can play in this league. You know, MVS really was the standout, but Equinamius St. Brown, he did some really good stuff. And I honestly think he's probably... From what my eyes are telling me right now, he might be the furthest along in his development. Him in the slot looked nice. I mean, it did. He he looked really natural there. And if you can get it, I mean, he's not he's a legit six four, six five slot fluid athlete as well. He's shown some ability there. Honestly, the biggest disappointment was Jamon Moore. And even him, you know, he he had some drop issues, but you can still tell just by watching the guy, he's how big, strong, and fast he is. This guy belongs in the league. And he's going to he's going to figure it out. I think, you know, preseason is the season of overreactions as well. So people may be a little bit overreactive of guys like Valdez Scantling. And I think some people are down on Jamon Moore right now. I'm not. I think, you know, he just had a little bit of a rough game still acclimating to, you know, life in the NFL. That was his first experience being underneath those lights. So, you know, guys handle it differently. So I'm still really excited about all three of those guys. They've all shown me 
a lot in even in one preseason game. For sure, and you know it, it's so. Yeah, I got into a Twitter argument, and I, you think anybody that follows me saw a lot of that just because, you know, we've had so much success in Green Bay with guys with drop issues. And, yeah, the, you know, Moore was drafted after Adams and Jones and Nelson, and, and, and Jennings and Cobb never really had issues with drops, and, and frankly, neither did Driver. But there have been some, you know, Packers Hall of Fame level receivers that had real trouble holding on to the football for, I mean, James Jones had ball security issues beyond drops. And, and, and these guys, you know, Jones led the league in touchdowns. Uh, Devante is one of the best six or seven receivers in football. Now Nelson's a first ballot Packers hall of famer. It's just a thing that, that happens, you know, and, and either the guy can work through it or he can't, but to just assume and know and be convinced that after one game, What's that? That's it after one preseason game, too. Exactly. After 25 snaps, to just be like, all right, well, bust. I mean, that's just – it's absolutely wild. Yeah, it is. You know, and it's – you talk about, yeah, James Jones, in his second, maybe even his rookie year, the Packers completely lost the game to the Bears because he fumbled like two or three times. And if the Packers don't win the Super Bowl in 2010, Jordy Nelson's the scapegoat. You know, even with the game he had, he had two or three drops that – I mean, he could have set the Super Bowl record for uh, receiving yards, but I mean, obviously those guys went on to be very successful Packer receivers. So I don't, you know, and, you know, even saying that about Jamon Moore, that, you know, it's hard to say either way, but I'm not going to write him off because of one game, but that's enough. I know we t- the three rookie receivers are getting so much attention right now, rightfully so. They're, I don't remember being as excited about a group of receivers, just even outside of them, like even talking about Kumaro. This is, it's a great problem to have. It really is. They got some young guys to develop. You know, Kumaro, is he young? Not, eh, not really, but, but beyond that, we'll move on from those guys. The, the next guy, highest grade on the list was actually none other than fan favorite, Brett Hundley. He looked good. He really did. He looked confident. He looked like, you know, he looked like a guy that's got tape on himself now in the NFL and he was able to study it and look at it and maybe make some corrections. I thought he was, you know, super like decisive with the ball in the game. I thought he was throwing the ball with a lot more confidence. That throw to Devontae Adams down the left sideline is that's as good as it gets. You know, it, it it's hard to it's hard. You know, Brett or uh, Aaron Rodgers can't throw a better ball than that. You know, no one can. That's 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 a great ball. Can he convert that over to the regular season? Hopefully, we never have to find out. But as far as that three man race, really, yeah, the three man race for the for the backup spot. I think saying just based off of what we saw in that first game, if you say it's anyone other than Brett Hundley, I I think you're wrong. Yeah, he played really well. I uh, made mention in the film review of just how poorly he played at home. His statistics on the road were actually about, you know, what you would expect an average NFL starting quarterback to give you. And I think if he were able to replicate that uh, at home, you know, Green Bay would have won one or two more of those games. And they would have been a completely different situation when Rodgers came back being nine and five instead of, of, of six and seven or whatever they were. I just, you got to wonder because he has played well in the preseason before guys talk about, you know, his, his, his preseason performance in past years, basically creating like a fourth round value for him. And the same scout saying now, if they tried to trade him, they would get nothing like maybe a conditional seventh, but that's, 
that's it. So the regular season, you know, production, what he put on film basically destroyed his value as an NFL player. So it's hard to really put a ton of stock into just more preseason film. Mm-hmm. You, you definitely, you know, you always, and I always say you scout traits and not results. And from a traits perspective, there were actual legitimate positive developments in the way he went about playing quarterback as far as footwork, as far as confidence, command of the huddle, and just the willingness to try and fit the ball into windows as opposed to waiting and waiting and waiting. Those were some really, really good things because he's always been able to spin it. I mean, he really has. Say you're the Houston Texans looking for a backup quarterback. Do you do you do you dangle a seventh round draft pick for a Brett Hundley? Yeah, I think I mean I don't know about you, Ross, but if I'm the Packers, I I take that in a heartbeat for him right now. I mean, I I would roll the dice with Kaiser, but I really like Boyle too, and I'm hoping they keep three. I don't know what would you do? Say I'm the Texans. Give me, I'll give you a seventh round draft pick. I want Brett Hundley. What do you do? Yeah, I mean, I'd ask for a fifth. (laughs) I'm I'm so you know seventh round picks are just basically early undrafted free agency. You look at the hit rate on those, and they're so low. I mean is it something? Yeah, it is. It is something. And it allows you then to clear up a log jam. And I get that too. But if you really do believe that if something happened to Rogers again, that of all the guys on the roster, Hunley actually still does give you the best chance to win. It's not a great position to be in, mm-hmm. but that's not worth a seventh round pick to me. You know, if Philbin and if Philbin and McCarthy say this time, it's just like an ankle and it's two weeks. And Philbin and McCarthy really believe that they have a better chance to win the ball game with Hunley and Kaiser. Excuse me, Hunley then Kaiser. Those two games are not worth a seventh round pick to me. If you kind of catch what I'm trying to say. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, that's and that's a good way to spin it. That's yeah, that's kind of where I'm at too. It's you know the thing is pretty sure Deshaun Kaiser's younger still than than Tim Boyle as well as far as developmental guys I think Boyle's 23 and Kaiser's still what like 22 or about the same age Hunley's Hunley's probably what going into 26 27 I don't know and you you poured you poured so much into Hunley if I don't know that's just gonna that's gonna be an interesting way it's just gonna be interesting the way that plays out and you know there's still three games left injuries can happen because you know you you have poured so much into Hunley that you would like to think you know what you have and last season would tell you what you have is not good. So mm-hmm. that puts you in an interesting, an interesting shift. Do, do you, do you spin that positively or do you spin that negatively? Oh, we need to win two games. Hunley's been here for four seasons. Okay. Well, he's been here for four seasons and he's still, you know, has these wild splits and at home is the worst quarterback in the league and, and yada, yada. Do you, do you, like I said, do you spin that positively or do you spin that negatively where, geez, we might as well give Kaiser a shot, might as well give Boyle a, sh- a shot because we don't know that they're terrible. We do know that Brett Hundley is terrible. Yeah. You know, and if you look at it last year too, you know, Aaron Rodgers is going to obviously elevate the play of, of players around him. Brett Hundley is not a guy that's going to do that. So outside of Devontae Adams, who he had like 120-some passer rating throwing to, who was Brett Hundley? Who was he working with last year? You know, Martellus Bennett was a, such a dud that he kind of just blew up that tight ends room. Jordy, you know, I think Jordy's at the point in his career where he needed a stud quarterback to really make his make his game go. I and mean, I think Cobb's kind of one of those guys, too, that he needs Rodgers to really be a, be a threat. So you could look at it that way, like, you know, Hunley's just an average NFL quarterback playing on a below average NFL offense last year. 
but it's hopefully it's something we don't ever have to watch again. And it's something we actually don't have to talk about anymore because it is over. But moving on from from Hunley, guy you mentioned earlier that had the fifth highest score was he is in his second year. He spent some time with the Cowboys last year, I believe, on their practice squad. Could be wrong on that, but his name's Ahmad Thomas, linebacker out of Oklahoma. I actually was really curious about him because I kept hearing his name. So I went back and watched some of his college film, and I knew he played safety. But what was really interesting about how they used Ahmad Thomas is he played a ton of single high at Oklahoma, and they used him like a lot of deep quarters. And he was not like the in the box you know, kind of linebacker hybrid that I really thought I would see on tape. So that's been, that was really interesting. And I, I didn't really take a lot from it as him playing a line as from him playing linebacker, being able to say anything about his ability to play linebacker other than just watching his fluidity and how he moves in space and that, which, which was impressive. You know, it's been really interesting just to keep hearing his name come up over and over again. I mean, it seems like they have two kind of young inside linebackers that are undrafted that they seem to be really high on. What stood out from Ahmad Thomas to you, uh, particularly particularly from last Thursday's game, Ross? Speed and athleticism. I mean, this is your Joe Thomas uh, replacement, which is funny because Joe Thomas is with the Dallas Cowboys now and either had a fumble recovery or an interception off of yeah, the a really nice a nice interception off of deflection. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he was playing well for Dallas and this uh, the, the other Thomas has has come from Dallas, but that's the role I see him feeling. I had seen enough Joe Thomas to be honest with you and and that might be mean, but I mean I just he wasn't a guy. And and so you fill that role with Oren Burks and then back Oren Burks up with Ahmad Thomas and I think you might have something and then you know, you can maybe back Blake Martinez up with uh, Greer Martini. Mm-hmm. And you can sort of patch together a linebacker group at a time in football when maybe off the ball linebackers are not as important as they used to be. And that, that's a great segue because that's the next guy on my list. This I don't know what Greer Martini's uh, PFF score was, but I, he was the guy that stood out to me, especially on special teams. I think he can be a guy, and I think it was even you, Ross, that said, you know, if you need to play Greer Martini 250 uh, snaps on first and second down or obvious rundowns, I think you're fine. I really do. He seemed like a guy that can really play downhill well. I've heard reports in camp that you know he's even been getting a little bit better in the passing game, which anything he can do in the passing game, that's a positive for a guy that what you're going to be asking him to do specifically in the run game. That's, I mean, that's, that's just like, that's just icing on the kick. Plus he's got a really cool name, which I think a lot of people are immediately drawn to, but he's been able to to play pretty well too. I know on special teams, especially on kickoff, you'll know you notice that the first couple kickoffs they had, they kind of kicked it down the right sideline, which just so happens to be where Greer Martini's playing. So I think that's you know that's a good indication of kind of what they think of him. And he also went down and made two special teams tackles as well. So he's a guy that I think I think him and Thomas, which it's weird to say at this point in training camp, but I almost think that both of those guys have almost locked up a roster spot because I don't think there's anyone else. I mean, A, they're really thin at that position, so there's a great opportunity there for them. But they've played, you know, they've played well enough to be on a 53-man roster in the NFL, in my opinion. For sure, and like you said, the position, you know, kind of got really thin, and they serve specific roles. Like I said, the Burks role can be backed up by Thomas, and the Jake Ryan role can be backed up by Martini. Now, Jake Ryan isn't even there to be backed up, but – that's still a skill set that they need and frankly is a skill set 
that they need even more now that that Jake won't play, you know, during 2018 or 2019 at all. Well, this is a contract year for him too, right? That might be – we might have seen the last of Jake Ryan in a Green Bay Packers uniform. Yeah, and if they don't, it's going to be, I would assume, really inexpensive, to be honest. I, I absolutely could see him, you know, three years, $12 because what what is your market for Jake Ryan at this point unless – you know, you're the Minnesota Vikings and you're still obsessed with signing old Packers. But, yeah, I, I don't know. Of course, you could replace Jake Ryan with Anthony Barr. But, anyway, that's that's a definitely a topic for a, a different day. Fair trade. It's a fair trade. Um, <laughs> I'm going to touch base on one guy real quick, and then I'm going to let you take another guy. I know you, had, you have some takes on the offensive tackle position, too, so I'll let you do that. But one guy that I thought really stood out to me was, was Dylan Day. He is also a guy that spent some time on some practice squads. To me, he looked really he looked really proficient in pass in pass protection, and he's a guy that I think has pretty good athleticism, at least from from watching him. It looks like he's he's got really nice feet. He's light on his feet. He's he's actually decent size for a center. So he's a guy that I want to kind of just keep my eye on as we move forward. And when he's in the game, I think he's a guy that's just. You know, center play isn't something that maybe the average fan is going to just is going to be watching. But if you get a chance to, I think he's I think he's got a, a chance to stick on this team. Another guy that no one's really talked about so far in any of these pack a day podcasts is the Packers second round pick, Josh Jackson, who if you follow Ross on Twitter, Ross almost does like a live tweeting of Josh Jackson every time he gets a ball thrown his way. Ross, I just kind of want to hear what, what your take was on on the young guy from Iowa. I thought he played really well. You still saw his weaknesses in breaking routes. He gave up a little slant, had a guy running kind of free across the middle as well. So you're going to need the linebackers and safeties to kind of play well when they're playing with Josh Jackson. But what you end up getting, if you do have kind of good interior pass defense, is a kid who's capable of having five or six interceptions as a rookie if you give him 800 snaps. And He's a shutdown guy on uh, anything up the sideline or anything to the outside. And that's what you saw when he when he played the slot and then tried to run the fade. There was no dice. Tried to run a goal line fade. No dice. Tried to run a little out pattern. No dice. And they called a kind of a ridiculous holding yeah. penalty on him. But, you know, he, he, he that was everything I thought I was going to see from from uh, number 37. And I think that has boosted his confidence because all the reports out of training camp literally today uh, were just a bunch of Josh Jackson raves. I mean, whether it was Tom Silverstein or I think we had a couple guys in attendance that worked for Cheesehead TV, but everyone was just talking about how well Josh Jackson was playing today in practice, whether it be team period or one-on-ones. None of that is surprising to me, especially, uh, you know, if you follow me on Twitter, you know that. All right, Ross. I know we were talking off air a little bit about you had some some takes on the offensive tackle play, which I think a lot of people are actually pretty concerned about. I mean, obviously, you got Bakhtiari and, and Bulaga, who are great, you know, probably the best up there with any duo in the NFL when they're healthy. But after that, what are your thoughts? What do we got? What do we got as far as depth? I mean, there's no left tackle depth. And that's with almost every team in football. That, that Like I, I wrote something about Murphy today on Cheesehead TV, came out this afternoon. No, no, no teams really have left tackle depth as far as your, your guy goes down and all of a sudden you can just call the same offense. And, and you can survive. I mean, the Eagles won the Super Bowl with Vitae at left tackle after losing 
one of the best that ever lived in Jason Peters, you can certainly get, get away with it. And that's exactly what Green Bay would have to do. They have to change what they do offensively. Uh, right tackle, though, I'm, I'm not as concerned. I uh, mentioned, you know, nobody likes Jason Spriggs. Uh, I personally like Kyle Murphy quite a bit more than, than the, the public does. My, Murphy and Spriggs, as I mentioned to you in the pre-production meeting, that's your number nine and 10 out of 46 offensive tackles in preseason week one, as far as pro football focus is concerned. Now, Spriggs was not out there with the first team, so he was blocking third and fourth stringers, but he was blocking third and fourth stringers and not letting them run free at the quarterback, which is certainly a positive thing. Uh, you would have liked to see him get those reps against the first and second string guys. But Murphy, you know, being in the top 10 in the league in preseason week one as you're starting left tackle playing out of position, again, I was impressed with him. I was impressed with his work. I really think he's a starting caliber right guard. I think he would be just fine at right tackle. McCarthy talked early in the season about just keeping him on the right side of the line, playing him a little at right guard, playing him a little at right tackle, and it sounded like a great plan. I agreed with it 100%. And boom, he's starting at left tackle the first preseason game of the season. So you wonder kind of what the thought process is there. I think the answer is that right now they feel like he is their best non-starting tackle. So they had no interest in getting Deshaun Kaiser and Brett Hundley killed. But I think he settles into that right guard, right tackle position when the lights really, truly come on. And I think he's going to be just fine. Had a couple of really good reps that I tweeted out against Harold Landry. And then, of course, did give up the classic Harold Landry corner dip sack but I got to tell you guys there's a lot of people that are going to give up a corner dip sack to uh to Harold Landry and that should not cause you to lose heart with Kyle Murphy because shouldn't have been playing left tackle probably shouldn't have been blocking Harold Landry but did an admirable job outside of the one sack that he did give up and uh, like I said people Harold Landry is going to sack quarterbacks that's that's what he is going to do yeah and hopefully Hopefully Bakhtiari and Bulaga just stay healthy. I think the offensive line after last year's fiasco is due for just 16 healthy games, five starters. That's that's my hot take, but it's probably not going to happen, but I hope it does. All right. I think uh, we're pretty much out of time. Ross, thank you for joining me. Um, you will be back on in a couple of Tuesdays. Thanks as always for listening, and we will catch you guys next time. Shotgun formation of third and 15 to the 46-yard line of Dallas. They empty the shotgun. Cobb in motion to the left side. Rodgers looks it over against the snap. Back pedals now under some pressure. Steps up, throws it over the middle. Good! 30, turns up field, 25, cutting right to the 20, 15, 10, 5. Devontae Adams to the south end zone for the touchdown. Rodgers looks it over, starts to his left. Now he moves, starts to the right side. Snap to A-Rod, looking downfield, being flushed. Winds up, rainbows it high and deep into the end zone. It's high, one and a clock. It is caught for a touchdown.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.